We're going to be in uh, Matthew chapter 4 in just a minute. If you want to open up your Bible and go ahead and find chapter 4, we'll start at verse 23 in just a second. So we are in the, a series of talks right out of the Gospel of Matthew that we've been calling Good News for Challenging Times. And uh, we've been asking you to join us in the hunt for good news, particularly right out of the scriptures and what what God says about us and about life and about himself. And uh, I've also been asking you, as you find the good news, would you be willing to share one bit of good news with someone during the week? And last week. Uh, We had 47 bits of good news that came out of this little gathering across the week. And we'd had 44 the week before. So we're, you know, right around that uh, 100 mark of bits of good news that have gone out. And uh, I'm going to ask you to do uh, the same thing again this coming week. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. But before I get into that, I'm wondering, over the past seven days... Have you been able to share at least one bit of good news with somebody? And if so, would you let us know? On that connection card, backside, top line, there's a a piece that says, I shared good news this week. And if you did, would you just give a check mark? We're just kind of tallying up to see how much good news can we speak into these challenging days, um, kind of as God's ambassador to our area. And if you did more than one, put down a number, two, three, four, whatever you did. Uh, but we'll just kind of keep track of it along the way, week to week. Uh, now, before I get into talking about today's topic, uh, I just happened to catch Tommy and Emily sitting back there. You guys wave at me. Yeah. This is their last day with us. They uh, are making a cross-country move, and they leave right after this worship service. Uh, and I just wanted to say what a joy it is to know you guys, to have had you a part of this church family. We love you. And uh, we pray God's blessings on the travels and on the new chapter that begins for your lives. Okay? God bless you. We uh, believe that uh, God cares about those kinds of things, that uh, God cares about prayer, that God hears prayers, that God responds to prayers. You should know that before this hour begins, every week, there are two or three people that gather with me, usually right at the back of the room under the cross, and uh, we pray over this service, and and they pray for me and how I'm going to speak, and they pray for you and what God's going to be up to with you. And um, uh, we have a new piece to that prayer effort that's going to begin next week. We're not only going to have... Uh, the little prayer time before the worship gathering. But starting next Sunday, we're launching a prayer team that will be functioning every Sunday thereafter during this gathering. And so there'll be one or two every Sunday in another room. They won't even be in the room with us that will be praying uh, over a number of things for God to be at work in you, in us, through us. And uh, we believe God's going to do something special with that kind of prayer effort. So let me just ask, if you are a part of the prayer team that prays before the service, or you've already signed up and you're going to be a part of this prayer team that prays during the service, would you just take a moment and stand and remain standing? 
standing because I'm going to say a prayer for you. All those praying people, before the service or during the hour, thank you. Now, if you didn't know already, Leon is our prayer team leader. And uh, if you're interested in serving on one or both of those teams, you can see him, and he'll be glad to line you up for that, all right? But uh, I'm going to ask that you bow together and, and join me in praying for our intercessors. Father, I thank you for these friends that uh, take prayer seriously and uh, want to intercede on behalf of those in the house. And uh, I pray that you'll use them, that uh, you'll hear their prayers, that you'll respond to their prayers, that mighty things will happen for us, but especially for your glory. That your kingdom come, your will be done in this church as it is in heaven. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thanks. Be seated. All right. Having said all that, we believe Jesus is powerful. And that he's not just powerful, but that he's compassionate. Uh, Jerry led us in singing a moment ago about how he knows your name. He cares about you. You matter to him. All the circumstance, all the nuance that's a part of your life. He knows every minutiae, all the minutiae of that, and he cares about it. And he's powerful and wants to do something about it. And so that's what we're going to uh, be talking about over these next few moments. And we'll be looking at Matthew 4. In just a second to do that. This past week, I had a conversation with a friend of mine. And we got to, we, we don't know each other very well, so we were kind of sharing our stories with one another just a little bit. And uh, come to find out, she has twin daughters that are almost the age of my sons. And uh, so we were just kind of remarking about where they'd gone to school and, you know, what it was like to be parents of college graduates now and all this kind of thing. And uh, but she said, you know, that's not the, the whole story. The rest of the story is that the first 11 years of my marriage, we could not have children. And we prayed and we prayed and I went to doctors and, and I had all kinds of procedures and we tried all kinds of drugs and and we could not have children. So finally, we decided we will adopt. And so we went through this entire adoption process and we qualified and we had, you know, a child that we were going to get to adopt. And then the whole thing just crashed and fell through and didn't happen. And we were so heartbroken. We were so devastated about it. And she said, but, you know, the minute that crashed and it fell through, I got pregnant. And, uh, the, you know, now you know the rest of the story because I had twin girls. And, you know, here they are now doing this and doing that and so on. And she said... It was a miracle. It was just a miracle. You believe that? Do miracles happen in the lives of people you know? Do miracles happen in you? Kind of raises the questions what is a miracle? Who gets a miracle? And what's the purpose of miracle? 
If Jesus is powerful, and if the scriptures claim, and some will testify, that Jesus is actually involved in our lives and in this world, and he's up to stuff, what is that and what's it all about? Who's in on that? So that's where we come to the scriptures, and uh, let's look in Matthew chapter 4, and we'll begin with verse 23. Now, it wasn't too long ago that Jesus had gone down to the Jordan River, met up with John the Baptist, took a step of baptism. Uh, God announced his pleasure. God the Father announced his pleasure with the Son, and he launched into this ministry uh, first, he went 40 days into the wilderness, and he encountered all these temptations, and then he came out on the other side of that. And now, let's see uh, what's going on right after he calls his first disciples. Verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, which are kind of gathering places for uh, people of the Jewish faith to worship and to study and to have community and so on. So he went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news, and what's the good news? Well, he goes on to qualify that. The good news of the kingdom. Kingdom being the domain of the king, God. And that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is here, now. You can have the reality of it presently. So he comes teaching and preaching the good news of the kingdom. And healing every disease and sickness among the people. And news about him spread all over Syria. And people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases. Those suffering severe pain. The demon possessed. Those having seizures. And the paralyzed. And he healed them. And large crowds from Galilee... The Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the regions across the Jordan follow him. Now keep your Bible open because we're going to make reference to some of these things as we talk about it. And let's come back to those questions, all right? What is a miracle? Well, I want to suggest to you it's a fairly simple thing, fairly simple concept. It's the involvement of God in this world and in our lives. Now, we live in a world that is natural. And we are natural beings with natural laws that govern us in this natural world, right? So we have gravity and things like that that you just have to accommodate those kinds of regulations and those rules and those ways of being as a natural person in a natural world. God is not of this world. He is outside of this world. And so anytime God, who is outside of nature, has some kind of involvement in nature, we call that supernature or supernatural. Anytime God begins to get involved in a person or in a circumstance or in a situation, it is supernatural the outside of nature coming into nature and thereby miraculous or miracle miracle does not have to be spectacular 
It does not have to be dazzling and fireworks and all that. It can be very simple. It can be very mundane, uh, very ordinary. And I'm suggesting to you that happens all the time, every day, all around us, and for many of us, in us. The involvement of God in this world and in our lives. Now notice some of the things that Jesus did in the text that we just read. He went to where people were and began to teach and began to preach. And then he began to do healings, people with chronic pain, people that had what the scriptures refer to as demonic oppression. There was evil kind of operating around their lives, and he kind of uh, delivered and uh, destroyed that oppressive activity that was going on in their lives. It says that he uh, healed those who were having seizures. Now, other versions of the scriptures will actually use the word uh, epilepsy. The literal word there is lunacy or lunatic. And so he healed the lunatics is what it literally says. And later interpreters began to think they must have been referring to those who had seizures from epilepsy to think that they were lunatics. Whatever. He can deliver and heal from mental illness is how I would want to think about it. And it goes on to talk about those who are paralyzed and... um, and it's not even a large sampling. You read the rest of the New Testament and you see that Jesus was able to restore sight to the blind and hearing to the deaf. And he was able to uh, bring wisdom and clarity to those who were confounded. Uh, he was even able to raise the dead back to life. Multiply food so that it could feed many, uh, enable fishermen to have a large catch when they had caught nothing before, even miraculously provide money so taxes could be paid. We could go on and on and on. Uh, His involvement and the the power of God's involvement in the lives of people and in the circumstances of this world. Now, who, who gets these miracles? Well, from the text we see that all types of people in all types of places, get these miracles, get this kind of divine involvement. Now, uh, I don't want it to slip by you too quickly when the opening verse says, Jesus went to Galilee. Who lives in Galilee? I mean, when you talk about kind of hierarchy of, of people groups in the day, the nobodies lived in Galilee, the somebodies lived in Jerusalem. And so he doesn't make a a beeline to the urban area and to the kind of the cultural center of everything. He goes out into the uh, nobody type places. And not only that, but we see that uh, Syria and, and the Decapolis are mentioned in there to places that he went. He went to Gentiles. That's like you and me. Are you hearing good news? So that he went to all types of people in all types of places. Implying that he would even go to a place like Redmond, Washington. And the Northwest. And the region that is the least churched across America. The the least God-honoring 
God-worshipping. Come here. Who gets a miracle? You do. We do. All kinds of people around us. But what's the purpose of a miracle? Well, as you can see, he was doing these miracles. He was bringing these healings as he was teaching and preaching. The point to those miracles was to be able to give authentication to the message. So Jesus is coming and saying, repent, turn from your ways of doing life without God and turn to doing it with God. Follow God, serve God, give your heart to God, repent, turn to that. Uh, Because the kingdom of God is here. It's right now. God's up to something right now. He's about to release himself in our in our midst in in supernatural and manifest kinds of ways. So turn to that. Well, how do we know what you're saying is true? How do we know we can believe you? There have been a lot of false prophets, if you will, false messiahs through the centuries. How can we believe you? And, of course, then he would heal this sick person and he would cause this lame person to walk and this deaf person to hear and this blind person to see and so on and would go. And the miracles were to authenticate the message. They were to validate this is, you know, the workings of God. This is the gospel and the good news of God's kingdom coming. Now, the purpose of miracles has not changed. When God does something in you or in me or or through us or around us, it's still for the purpose of bringing the message of good news to this world. It's still for the purpose of exalting Christ, turning attention to Christ, and, and seeing people drawn to Christ. That's the purpose. And I have to say that because a lot of us think about miracles kind of like we think about our birthday. Right? Because when it's our birthday, it's all about us. And the presents are just for us. Nobody else gets presents on my birthday. Okay? It's about me. It's about us. And uh, I'm the only one that's being sung to. I'm the only one that's got my name on the cake. And and so on. It's about me. But miracles are about God. They are about Jesus being exalted and attention being drawn to Him. That's why sometimes the miracle is somebody saying a prayer and God, would you, would you heal me of cancer? And God comes and He applies some supernatural activity there And the cancer is removed, and the person is healed of cancer. And everybody, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Even the the godless uh, physician that did some of the surgery is like, you know, that that was outside of our realm. That, you know, it's probably a miracle. That's why it's also a time of miracle when you got the cancer and you prayed that God would remove it, and it wasn't removed. And you go, how, how, I don't get that. You know, if it wasn't removed, how is it a miracle? Because now he gives you the grace 
to be able to declare how good and gracious and wonderful he is while you're sick and suffering and in pain. You go, well, I don't know that I like that one. Well, it's all about God. It's not about you. And if the most important thing in the universe is God, and if the most important need in the universe is for us to know God, have connection with God, have a a saving relationship with God, to be reconciled to God, then doesn't it make sense that God will be about what is most important? And what is most important is not me being delivered from cancer. What is most important is that my own heart is reconciled to him, that your heart is reconciled to him. And if somehow my suffering points you to Christ, that's a win for everybody. And it's a miracle. Now, Matt Chandler, I mentioned him a few weeks ago in one of our talks, was diagnosed about three months ago with brain tumor that uh, turned out to be malignant. He had successful brain surgery. They opened up the, the skull and was able to remove this tumor. And uh, he's in a time of recovery now. He's uh, kind of in the middle of about 30 chemo uh, therapy treatments. And I forget 20-something radiation treatments. They're kind of alternating these things. His body's being ravaged right now. This is a 30-something-year-old guy. Married with three small children, all under the age of six. And Matt's testimony is this. I'm humbled that God would consider me worthy to be a source of his own glory and to be able to testify to his goodness through my suffering. Now, Matt prayed for deliverance, for healing, that God would remove the cancer. It's his heart's desire that he lives to be an old age, that he gets to grow old with his wife, that he gets to see his children marry and sometime, someday hold a, a grandchild. All those kinds of things are very, very important to him. But of supreme importance is how does God get glorified through whatever befalls my life? Amen. He said, I'm humbled that God would consider me one of those that can exalt him through suffering rather than healing. Now, this flies in the face of what is commonly referred to as a prosperity gospel or prosperity theology, which basically says God wants everybody to have health and wealth all the time everywhere. Now, I want to suggest to you that's not only false and therefore heretical, it's bad news. It's really bad news because overwhelmingly people don't have health and wealth. And so, you you know, the only thing you conclude when you don't have health and wealth, but your prosperity theology says, but God wants everybody to have health and wealth. All you can conclude is there must be something terribly wrong with me that God would refuse to allow me to have the health and wealth that he said he wants everybody to have. That's really bad news. And it's just wrong. The Bible is filled with stories of men and women of great faith, of great pleasure to God, who couldn't have children, 
who couldn't have a crop harvested at one time of the year when they were having all kinds of poverty, who were being attacked by foreign powers and being slaughtered by, by enemies and so on like that. Bible's filled with those stories. I don't even know how the prosperity gospel has a leg to stand on. I have no idea why it perpetuates time after time, year after year, with new personality after new personality. It just does. And it's wrong. Because the purpose of miracle is not you and your happiness. And I'm so glad it turned out this way, but it's about him. And how the circumstances of your life can point other people to Him. Now, having said all that, I know some of you in the house have had miracles. And I want to hear about it. So, I'm coming. Uh, I'm coming back here. Steve. That's me. You had a miracle? I have. Tell us about it a little bit. Stand up for us. I'll let you hold that. Do I have to? Okay. Yeah, you get to. Okay. Well, mine involves my children, Jen and Chad. Um, and some of you met them two weeks ago. They were here for my baptism, which was wonderful. Um, but the fact is, the long and short of it is, I wasn't a good father to my children. Uh, they were two and four years old when the divorce took place. And their mother took them down to Spokane from where we lived in Alaska at that time. And so um, that separation, that distance between us from Anchorage to Spokane uh, really wasn't anything compared to the emotional distance that took place in their growing up years. Uh, And there was plenty of um, anger and hurt and pain justifiably so by what happened in their growing up years and um, in Chad's case to fast forward a little bit we were estranged from each other uh, for three years until late 06 not one word passed between us and we were just lost to each other and then we reconnected at that point in late 06 and uh, I've had Contact outside of that three-year period with my kids over the years. But uh, then to fast forward a little bit again to last January of 2009, I came to Meadowbrook at that time. And then I found out about uh, Life's Healing Choices, that book study, and Celebrate Recovery. <clears throat> and so uh, with the help of Pastor James, is my accountability partner, and my shared group, and a lot of prayer, I mean, it wasn't until I really knew, I I found out from those studies, it wasn't until then that I knew of the need to um, make amends with my children. I hadn't even even considered it. So then with the help of Pastor James and my share group and prayer, I had uh, an important conversation with each of them last year. turned out very well. Um, I said to each of them what I've heard Pastor Scott say to us more than once just in the short time I've been here. And he stood up there and he described himself as a busted, screwed up guy. And that really resonates. And uh, so that's, I wasn't sure how to start the conversation. 
with my kids. But that's how I started by saying that. And I just asked them to forgive me. And uh, they have. So compared to what things could be between me and my wonderful children, uh, I feel pretty blessed. Really blessed. And so that's, that's, uh, that's what I had to talk about. Well, Steve, thank you. I, I don't want us to miss... When we talk about miracles, sometimes we think about God like sending a lightning bolt, you know, and something got zapped. But what you're talking about is a series of little miracles where he begins to do some introducing of you to some truth and to some scriptures. He introduces you to some people. You begin some life change. You take a step of courage and make the contact with the kid that favor with them so that they will even respond and listen. You get words that are beyond your own capability to speak. So I just don't want us to miss that when we start talking about the miracle that you're describing, it's really kind of a collection of 20, 30, 40 little miracles that all come together for this big miracle of your own transformation and reconciliation with your kids. That's what's happened. Amen. Thank you for sharing that with us. Thank you. How about it, Juan? What's uh, what God's been doing? Okay. Uh, you're in the same. <laughs> so little on Sunday afternoons. Okay, uh, uh, we both, me and my wife, got a significant pay cut from our jobs, uh, which was still fine. We were still, you know, with our heads over the water um, situation. But then towards the end of the year, some expect, unexpected bills came through um, that put us underneath the water. And we were drowning. <laughs> So at that time, we just we decided that you know there's nothing we can do but pray, and so we just started praying and and uh, literally 40, 40 hours we get get an email that there's a stranger that has a gift for us, and pretty much this pretty much and so uh, God was teaching us that for not our jobs, and so. We learned a lot from that. Okay, everything is great now. And uh, for me, so of course, at that time, time uh, how do we take care of the family and things of that nature? And all the questions that were legit. Um, so we started praying again, and we both felt that it was definitely God telling us to move to the next chapter. So I uh, put in my two-week notice. It was the hardest thing, having a uh, Decided that's God and again. It's God, but we don't. As you, no, there's no. So it was a great feeling after our prayer. Um, the next day, um, Anna gets an email saying that her salary was being reinstated back to normal, which is a big confirmation that God was saying, "I will take care of you guys. Don't worry about it." And so that kind of gave us the whole, "Okay, we're on board for this. This is the God thing," you know. Um, but of course, all your natural instincts of me uh, were coming out saying, "Well, I've got to get my resume ready. I've got to get, you know, send out my, you know, go get my job, get a career, get everything going." And throughout the time, we both felt that again, it was like, "Here I go again, trying to play God, of doing it myself, fixing the problem." And so, um, so two weeks went by. The greatest thing through those two weeks is that it opened up. Lots of doors for testimony and witnessing to co-find with very, t- very touch. Um, <clears throat> and the greatest one actually happened 
the day after the last day of my job, um, I was doing some some um, some yard work with a friend of mine. That um, it was a little job that we had gotten. Um, of course, you guys are probably thinking a Mexican doing yard work, yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> but it was true. We're doing yard work. Um, I told you it was going to be. Yeah. Good. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, we're doing the yard work and and with you know we started I started uh, just giving them our, t- our testimony just giving them our life story of how God's been the ultimate provider and this individual was just like yeah but you know you need a job you need a check you need you know kept you know going against it and I just kept saying well you know it's it's in God's hands you know we we're we're in total faith that he'll provide for us he's done it in the past and he'll do it again and after our conversation, literally within five minutes, I get a call from Anna saying that a, um, a friend of her parents or, uh, had wanted to do a job a while back and just never got back to me. And that morning they called her saying that the job is ready for us to proceed on it. And so as soon as I hanged up, I, I told them, you see, this is God. You know, what's the chances of us talking about having faith and within five minutes I get a call saying that there's work for me for the next couple of weeks. And so the greatest thing about that was the next day, the individual came to church, and he came here. And so, again, that's just going back to the last thing, you know, uh, is to share the good news. That's what it all, it's all about. Mm. And through our circumstances, whether it be to the world being good or bad, at the end of the day, it's always good news to share the gospel. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. Uh, Again, you have to kind of notice all the little miracles that happen along the way that kind of result in this bigger. Bruce, what about it? You got something you'll share with us? First of all, I'm not in in this group, so. (laughs) Happens to everybody everywhere. Okay. I told you I wouldn't read anything, but I have to. Um. Well, I've been here at Medover for the last few years. The dark clouds hung over me. Uh, as a means of self-medicating in order to, to treat depression and stress and other matters, I uh, had over the past several years um, stepped up my use of alcohol yeah, from social drinking to habitual drinking. Um, I'm, this was uh, creating quite a gap with me and God all this time. As I later discovered, uh, this had begun to dangerously control my life, uh, threatened our marriage, and was leading me on a path of self-destruction. Through the grace of God, and in an effort to constructively save our marriage, Lisa began to secretly look into a treatment program. (laughs) That's miracle number one. (laughs) She went to the extent of completing forms and checking insurance and uh, talking to counselors and um, fearing that I would actually resent and reject it, she nevertheless approached me one night and laid out all the details of the program. And uh, she just asked me if I would consider it. She didn't insist on it. She just asked if I would consider it. Later, I had learned that she had prayed to God, that she was doing the right thing, and that I would be receptive. Well, like the typical macho male, I always like to do things myself and don't like to have other things, other 
programs or people to go to to, to solve my problems. So I shocked both her and myself by saying that I would go without any hesitation. That was miracle number two. <laughs> I say that was one. <laughs> <laughs> After completing the 28-day program on October 23rd, last October, I returned home with a sense of purpose and immediately began going to three AA-type meetings a week, and uh, one of which was our Celebrate Recovery uh, group, which I thank graciously for. Um, and with the uh, tossing in the chair group that I attended, I was booked Monday through Thursday nights, <laughs> totally. So, um, with the grace of God and the sharing of my uh, my soulmates, I'll call them at uh, Celebrate Recovery, and working the 12-step program, and last of all, but not least, with my loving wife, I can safely say that. Um, that I've found, I've rid myself of the guilt and shame, and I've found love, peace, and joy that I never knew I had before. I never knew I had. Uh, although my job hasn't changed, I don't have any more stress. That's another miracle. <laughs> I've sought out and established new relationships, and I've strengthened existing ones. And my family has suddenly taken on a new meeting for me. Most importantly, my relationship with Lisa, our relationship has become something that I never dreamed of. And this is all in four months. It's now been four months and six days since I've had a drink, and I have no desire to do so. And I've also lost 27 pounds. <laughs> Another miracle. I've lost count of all the miracles, so that's my story. <laughs> I, you know, it's just good knowing God, doing life with God and um, letting God be at work in us, through us, around us. Thank you guys for sharing your story. So have you heard any good news today? You probably have heard a hundred bits of good news, but let me just make sure that we've heard three or four together. And one is that God still loves all people. I don't know what you're sitting there thinking right now about yourself, you know. But no matter how unique you think you are, how different, how more screwed up you might be than somebody else, He loves you. It's an unfathomable, incomprehensible, eternal kind of love. Friends, that's just good news. You matter to Him. And second thing I want to make sure you got is that he still is working miracles today. This isn't an ancient kind of uh, Bible thing and mythology. He's still doing all this today. And we just let you hear three brief stories. We could have opened up the floor and been here a few hours. And not only that, he's still working miracles in all types of people for all types of things. That means that he not only will do and, and has done miracles in some that you've heard from, but he'll do it in that most unlikely person that comes to your mind. He'll do that in you. God will work a miracle 
in you. And God is good even when I don't get the miracle that I wanted. Now, you can only get there with that reality by knowing Him. And as I shared Matt's story earlier, I, you know, the rest of his story has not been written yet. We don't know how it's going to turn out. This 30-something very gifted family guy, he may lose his life in the course of the next few months. And his, the testimony of his lips is this, God's good. And it's my pleasure to serve him with my suffering. So whether you get the miracle that you hope for and desire for, or whether the story turns a, a different kind of twist, and it's harder and more difficult. I mean, that's the whole Apostle Paul story. Three times I kept asking God, would you do this, would you do this, which means he did it over and over and over and over. And God said, I'm not going to remove that. I'm not going to zap that. I'm going to give you grace that will be sufficient for that. Glorify me with that. So, how do you respond? Are you beginning to collect enough evidence to see, this is a good God we're talking about. This is a God that loves me. This is a God that has life's best in mind for me and can make my life meaningful for not only time but all eternity. Will you repent? Stop going a direction that does life without Him. Turn around and begin to do it with Him. Would you have faith in Christ? Would you surrender to Christ? Would you follow Christ? On the back of that connection card that I told you about earlier, there's a little line that says, I want to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Check it. I'll be glad to follow up with you and do that with a phone call or a visit, however it works for you. And then secondly, will you live gratefully for the things that God has done in your life? See, what I wanted to ask my friend this past week when she told me about the miracle of being able to conceive and have a child is. So what difference has that made for you? How has that impacted your life that God was gracious to you for the rest of your life? God's already done miracles for you. Anytime he stirs you, anytime he inspires you, anytime he encourages you, any time that he emboldens you so that you can go into some fearful kind of circumstance, it's a miracle. Any time he answers a prayer, any time he gives some direction, any time he has some provision, it's a miracle. Do you allow that gratitude to so wash over you that you live a grateful life? And then, would you, because he's so good and there's so much bad news around us, would you share one bit of good news that you got today with at least one person this coming week? Now, here's how I want to close. And I'm doing this because I felt like God prompted and stirred us to go in this direction today. I want to know, do you need a miracle? And if you do, as I uh, close the teaching point here... We're going to have some intercessors, some praying people, just go to the back of the room right there at the bottom of the cross. And if you need a miracle, while Jerry's doing some singing and whatever else we're going to have here, you can just go back there and say, 
here's how I need prayer, and let these people pray for you, and then just go right back to your seat. It'll be confidential between you and the person praying for you. All right? Let's bow together. So, Father, as you have called for us to respond to you and to have commitments, I pray for those that need to repent and follow Christ, that by your grace they will. I pray for those who have been lost in daily circumstances to the point that they are not living a grateful life. That you would remind them of all that you've done so that they might know gratitude. And I pray that you'd give us all opportunity to share good news this week. In Jesus' name, amen.